Well, let's go to Psalm 81. Psalm 81. And we are in the normal season of the church calendar, but normal time is a growing time. And this is a time we're looking at some key scriptures from the lectionary that put us back to a Jesus-centered focus and on what God wants. If you want to check into Facebook, that helps us a lot. It helps spread the word about the church Indian Lake. You guys have been so good about that. So take a moment sometime in the sermon. If I get boring and you're about to doze off, go check into Facebook. Just don't, you know, don't scroll too far on other people's feeds. Just let people know we're alive and the church of Indian Lake is here doing good things. Psalm 81 has two themes to it. The first few scriptures, the first 10 scriptures is inviting the people of God to a feast, to celebrate. Inviting the people of God to worship, much like we do every Sunday. And then about verse 11, it shifts from a hymn that sings about the good things God does to a prophecy. And God warns us. And so we're going to look at part of the scripture. We're not going to look at the middle part for the sake of time. But what I want you to see is that God has the best for you. There's fine things from the Lord, good things from the Lord that he wants you to position your heart to receive his grace. We, we don't have a works-based salvation or a works-based walk with the Lord, but what we do is we position ourselves so we can receive the great things from God, the best things that God has for us. So Psalms 81.1, verse 1, it starts off with what we did today. It says it this way, sing for joy to God our strength, shout in triumph to the God of Jacob. And the next nine verses will talk about a lot of the aspects of worship. And then let's go to verse 10 and picking it up there. I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. How many of you know that when we're in relationship with God, it affects our language? It affects our mouth. Now, here's the shift in verse 11. It's a, a sense of warning from the Lord. And it's also something that we know from our walk with the Lord is true. Verse 11, but my people did not listen to me. Israel did not obey me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own plan. Now, I just feel a certain tone from the scripture and we have to be careful when we read into the Bible, we can't do that. But if only my people would listen to me and Israel would follow my ways, and this is what would happen. I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those whose hatred, hate the Lord would pretend submission to him, their doom would last forever. And verse 16 is kind of the key verse. But he, being God, would feed Israel with the best wheat, and I would satisfy you with honey from the rock. The ESV, I like its translation of verse 16 also, and it says this in verse 16 of the ESV. It says, but he would feed you with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. That might not mean a lot to you right now, but I hope it does by the end of this message. Because I want you to know that in your future, there's a key to receive the good things from the Lord. The Lord wants you to make the right decisions today 
so you can stand before the window of his blessing and the doorway of his blessing and receive God's best for you, God's finest for you, the things that he wants to give. I have three great teenage kids. And the reason you can know that my three kids are great is because they let me use them as sermon illustrations almost every week, and they still love me. So praise God. Praise God. That's just part of how it goes. So here we go again. So my house, unfortunately, trash comes on the worst two mornings of the week for me, which is Mondays and Thursdays. And the reason why these are the worst is because of ministry. Sunday nights and Wednesday nights are the nights I'm the most tired. And so this was always problematic for me until the kids started getting older. And the boys, you know, they have been given the task to get the trash outside. They do a fair job at that. And, and they're on a good streak right now. So it's a good time to talk about this story. But often in the past, on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights, as we're winding the evening down and I realize the trash has not been taken out. We, we have a two-story home. And so it will be time to notify the sons of their duty. So the first yell goes something like this. Boys! And for whatever reason, I don't know if it's a coincidence that, that, the coincidence that it's on these two nights, but silence. They, they, they don't hear. So, so the second call has a more friendly tone, an inviting. It, it, the syllables are a little longer, so it goes something like this. Boys, you know, like, I'm warning you, this is friendly. But again, Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, there tends to be silence. And that third call for the boys, it's not kind, it's not soft, it isn't elongated verbally, it's a short, authoritative, boys! And that means dad has business that needs to be taken care of. Okay, it's just that dart of tone of voice that they know it's time to get things done. But even then, often they don't hear. Now, if Beth and I are discussing birthday plans for one of them, if we're discussing potential vacation sites, if we're discussing possibly purchasing, purchasing sports tickets, it's amazing the healing that happens in these kids' ears. It doesn't matter if they have earphones on, the television, the wall, the stairs, everything. They know exactly what we're talking about. It is called selective hearing, right? We only hear the things we really want to. If we really don't want to hear something, we ignore it. We ignore that. Why is that? Because knowledge is responsibility. Okay, so I'm not responsible for something unless I know about it. Now, almost every Sunday morning, I'm the first one here and I drive on the property and guys and gals have worked so hard through the week to mow the property and make it look nice and everything. But since I'm the first one here in the property, uh, almost every week I see there at the end of the driveway um, beer bottles thrown out or, or a, a fast food bag or something like that. And so... It's not like I can just drive by and say, it's not my responsibility because I do kind of work for this church and everything. And so I usually stop my car, pick up some stuff. Some, some, there's some unmentionables I've had to pick up and um, take it to the dumpster because knowledge is responsibility, right? 
Okay? So you're not responsible for that trash because you never saw it because you got picked up before you got here. We, we don't listen to information we don't want to hear because if we listen to it, then we're responsible for it. And this is a problem in the spiritual realm because a lot of us have really selective hearing with God because listening means obedience. We think if I don't hear God, then I don't have to obey God. So we're like this. No, 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 no. I don't want to hear you, God. Here's the first point. If you want the finest from the Lord, according to Psalms 81, you must listen and obey. Listen and obey. And it really is both. A lot of us think that we're not responsible to obey God because we're not listening to God. But your lack of attentiveness to the word of God is a form of disobedience and it's a form of rebellion. You're not positioning yourself to hear the word of the Lord. You know, there's people all over this planet who don't have access to the gospel. They don't have access to the scripture. And we in America, we really don't have an excuse. Um, we, we have the ability to hear the life-giving words from God, but a lot of times we just don't want to listen. Now, we do have selective listening. You know, if I... If I put on social media what my sermon's going to be. And if it's about blessing and encouragement and prosperity, well, we hear that, don't we? But when it's about sacrifice, obedience, self-denial, enduring persecution, we, we position ourselves not to hear that message from God. So I, I titled this message, you know, last night I put on Facebook, how many want to receive the finest from the Lord? Come hear me preach tomorrow. I didn't say, how many want to learn how to obey God and be disciplined in your life today for tomorrow? You know, no one would want to hear that. Let's just sleep in today. Let's just hang out today. That's our human nature. I want you to open your ears to what the Spirit's saying. A mature person gets the full counsel of God. You can't just take, like many in America are doing right now, the part of the scripture that we like that makes us feel good that boosts us, you know, psychologically, and then ignore the parts of the scripture that we don't prefer. It doesn't work that way. We have to listen and obey. You can't obey if you don't listen. In verse 11 and 12, my people did not listen to me. Israel did not obey me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own plans. Now, look at verse 13, this this tone that we feel in the song, this was a song, people sung this song originally because music is instructive to us. If only my people would listen to me and Israel follow my ways. And I want you to think about your life for a second. Sometimes we don't like to do this because you know, we don't want to damage our self-esteem or we don't want to feel bad about ourselves. But think about where we would be today if we would have obeyed yesterday. You might say, well, I'm not, I'm not supposed to live in the past. I agree. You're not supposed to stay in the past or live in the past, but healthy reflection today leads us to better obedience tomorrow. So where would you be? Would today you have victory instead of defeat if you would have listened and obeyed God yesterday? Today, would you have fullness instead of emptiness if you would have listened and obeyed to God? Today, would you have the best for your life instead of the worst for your life? if you would have listened and obeyed, to God, obeyed God. I'm not here now to make you feel bad about yourself or to heap condemnation on you. I get it. I understand that's not 
what we're supposed to do. And, and I also understand Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So he always wants to bring our past against us. So we're not going to stay in the past, but we reflect on the past because things that we did in the past, we will avoid in the future when we realize the consequences of that. It's okay to have moments of reflection if it leads to a lifestyle of obedience. You know, some of the reasons that I obey God today is because I remember the mistakes I made yesterday. I've messed up a lot of stuff in my life. I've paid the consequences of bad choices. And that is a motivator to me to do what's right today. You know what that's called? It's called wisdom. It's called wisdom. And, and here the Lord is saying, if my people would just listen to me and obey, if they would do that, think about where they would be. Their life would be full of my spirit today instead of spiritual decay. Well, we're moving forward, aren't we? So I call this to you today. I call you to look in the rearview mirror, rear mirror and then keep pressing forward so that the path ahead of you, you can act in more wisdom and strength. Do you remember as a kid, if you ever encountered a bully at your school or in the neighborhood, and this bully was stronger than you, this bully was faster and more aggressive, it doesn't leave you a lot of good options, does it? So how do you respond to a bully? Well, there's a lot of different ways you can respond. But I found one of the best ways is to find a friend who was stronger, faster, and more aggressive than the bully. And all of a sudden, you've been in that situation, or you've seen it displayed in the arts before, where the kid who doesn't have the physical capabilities, if he's attached to the right person, there's a boldness, there's a strength to that child. And we've, we've all either felt those emotions or been there. Well, I want you to know that no enemy is stronger than your God. No enemy. If you've got an enemy that's bullying you and you say, I don't have the strength to overcome them. I don't have the wisdom to overcome them. I don't even have the emotional energy to be aggressive to overcome them. That's why you need to attach with the presence of God. Because this is what the Lord says he will do. It's the second point today. God subdues our enemies. God subdues our enemies. Verse 14. I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. This is what happens when we obey the Lord. When we listen and obey, God's going to subdue the enemies in your life. And, and this is a call to listen to God, to get under good Bible teaching, to try to spend time in the scripture three or four times a week, those of you who can do it seven days a week, way to go. You're better than the most of us. But three or four times a week, try to get into the scripture. I mean, maybe more than that. Try to listen to positive music. Try to get into the presence of God. Try to obey and, and, and break some habits in your life. Try to introduce kindness to your language. Uh, try to um, avoid this this type of nasty type of spirit of the world that gets on us, that wants us to destroy everyone around us, to start walking in the spirit, start walking in things of God, to start obeying God, being faithful in our marriage, being attentive to our kids, being responsible at work. Some of you, the reason that you're not blessed financially is because you don't get to work on time. Some of you, the reasons that you're not promoted is that you don't have a good work ethic. You won't turn off Netflix the night before so you can give your whole heart to God the next day. 
This is a work ethic. This is a, a sense of obedience. This is a sense of focus. I'm going to do the things God calls me to do. And if you do the right things long enough, good things come to your life. This is the word of the Lord. If you listen to the things of God and obey the enemies in your life, God will subdue them. Enemies you can't overcome. Enemies of sickness. Enemies of debt. Enemies of disunity. Enemies of misunderstanding. How many know that these are all types of enemies that assault the work of God in our life? That keep the kingdom of God from advancing in our life. And the Lord says this through this song today. If my people would just listen to me and obey, I'm going to subdue their enemies. There's a supernatural work of the Lord that's going to come into your life when you simply listen and obey. This is not a works-based message. This is a grace-based message because listening and obeying is not creating your own future. Listening and obeying is positioning yourself under the shower of God's grace. It means that I am obeying the ways of the Lord. I'm listening to his voice and I'm obeying his voice. And because of that, consequentially, that which a man sows, he reaps. The grace of God is on your life when you're in the presence of God. See, we don't do that. We don't seek, we don't seek the right hand of God. We seek the face of God. But when you seek the face of God, you get his right hand, which is his hand of blessing at the same time. So this is listening and obeying. Some of you are in times of persecution right now. The Lord is calling you to endure, to endure, to keep going, to not question God, to not turn your backs towards God, to be faithful right now in persecution. It, it, you, you have to obey God when it's difficult. Any of us can obey God when the circumstances of our life are good. It's when we have challenges that we have to listen and obey and follow the ways of the Lord. Now, I get really, really excited about small, menial things. Poor Beth, I'm always ha having her like, look what I did, I need some verbal encouragement. I don't know if it's a guy thing or an errand thing, but that's just how it is. An example of this is um, right before me, the center row, the center row in this church. Now, it's really not that big of a deal. We just moved two chairs out, rearranged, created four sections instead of three sections. How many uh, would say that you had not noticed that until I just pointed that out. Is there some people there? All right. Oh, some of you have. All right. No one over here had. Well, we had a wedding here a couple of weeks ago. It had been many years since we'd had a wedding here because people don't like to get married in churches anymore. Have you realized that? It's like the field, the barns. But anyway, that's a whole other point. Um, churches aren't cool to get married in anymore, which saves us, you know, saves us some labor around here. But um, that's a whole other subject. So we, we created a center aisle for the bride. And then I thought, you know, I like this. And so rearranged some chairs. I was in here working away and I rearranged the chairs. And man, I liked it. And, and even to this day, it really has made a difference. And we don't have this bald spot in the middle of our service like we used to. So I love the center aisle. But I get so excited that my wife, Beth, was out there talking to someone in the lobby. And I went, literally went to the conversation, interrupted and said, hey, can I have a second? I need to show you something in the sanctuary. Please come and observe this incredible center aisle. Then I took some time up here and I got the panoramic picture. 
and I literally took pictures of the, of the sanctuary, the center aisle. I texted it to our head ushers, our ushers. And I said, uh, I didn't text it to Les because I'm not sure if he does texting. I'll have to find that out later. But I did text it. I did text it. Do, do you text Les? Have you ever done a text message in your life? Okay, Brenda, see, so I, I, was, I had spiritual discernment at that time. I discerned that from the Spirit. So I, I, I texted Jason and Scott. And I'm like, we have a sinner. I, can you believe this? Then I went on social media and, and I like said, come to church. Some of you may want to come to church early to, um, to mark out your seats. I, I was so excited about the center aisle that I texted a picture to Pastor David Huff, who used to be on staff here. And I said, we now have a center aisle here. So I just got way, way too excited about that. Now, what happens is this, and, and there's this, this satisfaction that should come over us when we do something good, when we do a good job, okay? I mean, it took a little bit of time. It took an hour or so messing around with the chairs and all that kind of stuff. And it just felt good, you know? It felt satisfying. It felt right. And I was too immature just to take that satisfaction to myself. I had to share it with the world, overshare over-exaggerated significance. But remember the feeling when you turned in that paper. Remember the feeling when you get that new edger and, man, your sidewalks look better than ever. Remember that feeling when, like, the house was ready for Thanksgiving meal, man. It was ready to go. That, that sense of satisfaction that comes over us. There's no feeling like a job well done. There's no inner satisfaction, you know, that is like obedience. Obedience is satisfying. Why? Because God has designed you to be obedient to his will. God did not design you to be rebellious. God did not design you, design you to be that teenager on the back row who never wants to participate. He designed you for the front row to be ready to go, ready to follow him, to have a yes in your heart. Yes, in your heart. There's a satisfaction with just obeying God. And that's better than all the benefits that come from obeying God. Here's that last thing. God is our satisfaction. God is our satisfaction. Psalms 81, 16. Here's the verse. And it's really the key verse of this message with the title. But he would, sat, he would feed Israel with the best wheat. I would satisfy you with honey from the rock. Let's put the ESV back up too. We looked at that earlier. Just a slightly different translation of the same word. He would feed you with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. Well, we know this, that in an agrarian culture, wheat was a commodity. The Lord said, I'm going to give you the finest of this world. I'm going to give you the finest of this world. And metaphorically, I'm going to give you the finest of the other world of my presence. And then let's talk about honey. I mean, there wasn't refined sugar in those days. So in what we now call Israel or Palestine, the, the region referred to today, there were lots of cliffs. And it was there that beekeepers had a very difficult job. They had to scale the cliffs to get the honey. Honey was very, very valuable. Honey was very special. It wasn't like you went you know, to the store or to the local farm and just grab the jar. I meant that specialists literally risked their life scaling cliffs and rocks to get that honey. And this is what the Lord says to you. Put that verse 16 back one more time. Thanks. 
He would feed Israel with the best of the wheat, the finest of the wheat. And with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. God, God is saying this, God's going to do for you what you can't do for yourself. God's going to scale the cliffs. He's going to go to the places you can't go because he is going to take what is best for you. And when you listen and obey, he'll subdue your enemies. Your enemies will be subdued. Enemies that attack your soul. Enemies that attack the work of God in you. And then the finest from the Lord is yours. This is your future now, you don't make a decision right now and then receive the finest from the Lord this afternoon. It may happen that way, but the choices we make today allows us to receive God's grace tomorrow in the timeline that we work under. Now, where does this lead us to Jesus? Where does this lead us to Jesus? I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This isn't in your notes, but this is the heart of the sermon. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Now, I want you to know brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud. This is talking about the Jew, Jewish people, all passed through the sea, and, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. This is just referring to this, this historical line. They all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank, look at this, from a spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. If you think about this, that rock was Christ. That rock was Jesus. This is what the Lord does. The Lord, when we obey and listen, he subdues our enemy. He feeds us with the finest of wheat. And then like rock from the honey, he satisfies us. Who's the rock? The scripture just said that's Jesus the work of Jesus in our life. And that's what the Lord did. The Lord took something that in the natural doesn't produce fruit. You don't think a rock produces fruit, right? Good soil produces fruit. We eat stuff from the ground, not the cliffs. The cliffs are places of danger. The, the cliffs are places we can't get to. The cliffs are places of risk. So we don't eat from there. But the Lord says from the rocks, you're going to be satisfied with honey. And the rock is Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is our all in all, Jesus is our satisfaction. We praise his name.